This is Ross Coulthard, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Or just, nah, it's just too much. That was that was my kind of point I was making. Yeah, I agree. I think that's we're not we're not anywhere close to that. Uh, but it it is int- it will be interesting to see how quickly we get there. Yeah. To me, there's like a domino effect that happens, and once a certain domino falls, many others fall behind it in rapid succession. So uh, it'll be interesting. I don't think it'll happen this year. I mean, it, it's hey, look, it's very possible. I just think I agree with you. We're not quite there yet. Um, we shall see. You know, will we also hear about signs of life? I think that that, that might be a really popular phrase that we'll hear this year. Um, particularly, we this earlier with the James Webb Space Telescope. You know, will we hear that we've discovered signs of life, more signs of life in the universe that we can hang our hat on? Uh, something definitive uh, that might be kind of reaching a crescendo th- this year. And to me, that's kind of part of the public. Uh, acclimation process to a certain degree. It's uh, I'm not saying there's an orchestrated effort here, but it is part of the way in which we all would come to grips with being more comfortable talking about the presence of non-human intelligent life on this planet. If life is in fact present in the universe, if it's more abundant and we have proof of that, then it becomes a lot more plausible that it is here. And, and, and here, the last thing I'll say to that is I can point to the article, the very well-written article from Bernardo Castro, who put forth the Silurian hypothesis, which we've all, not all of us have heard of this, but it's not a new hypothesis, but the earth is certainly very old and, uh, you know, advanced civilizations could have come and gone in the history of our planet and the evidence of those civilizations might be long gone. That's certainly, as he put forward, a very plausible hypothesis, but another hypothesis that I think would be equally plausible if, if life is in fact abundant in the universe, who's to say it didn't visit us at some time in our ancient past it didn't evolve here. There weren't advanced civilizations that came about here, and that's why we don't find evidence of them per se, but it did uh, did arrive here and maybe did something here on this planet as it was evolving. That, to me, seems an equally plausible hypothesis if we can show there are signs of life out there, particularly if we identify it as signs of, uh, of other civilizations like you know city streetlights and things like that. Oh, you're ruining my next question, Nathan. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get to that in your bet. It's almost word for word what I've got, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Graham, we're going to come to you. Language for language that will go mainstream. Are you, again, from a pragmatic point of view, what would you like to see as someone who looks at this from a really straight laced point of view? What kind of language would, would raise your eyebrows? Well, I would hope they would drop a UFO hunter in from the press, and I'd hope they would drop all references to the F- X Files every time someone is interviewed, or there's a you know, or there's a newspaper article. So those are the things I'd like to lose. Um, Nathan mentioned non-human intelligence, yeah, NHI. I, I think that maybe you know would be nice if that replaced ET. You know, extraterrestrials, because ET, you've got the you know, sort of um, visions of cuddly aliens. And Drew Barrymore and, and all the rest of it, um, you know, and, and Steven Spielberg. Whereas it, it might, you know, if such a thing exists, I'm not going to say it does. You know, you know how I am about being drawn on these things. But let's say, for argument's sake, you know, ET is malevolent, um, so therefore he's not a cuddly a little green alien. So you know, but non-human intelligence doesn't just mean extraterrestrials; it means other things as well. So yeah, I think that would be a, it. Would be nice to see that take over. But I think at the moment, as Nathan said, it's just among our little pool. Uh, you know, our our Twitter friends uh, and community. They seem to be the people who latch onto it. In fact, when I look at um, my Facebook, the, the UFO, um, the UFO groups I'm on Facebook, which I, I don't really participate in much, but I, I, I still see stuff. To be honest, and a lot of it's not even up to date. You know, they don't they don't really talk about David Grush. They don't talk about Luella Zondo. They talk don't talk about the jellyfish. They're they're banging on about all this esoteric stuff. Um, you know, the mummies. Uh, that they're, they're talking about stuff that's painfully hoaxes it just gets regurgitated and they're using the same language from years ago so i I think there's a lot of people still stuck in the past unfortunately and i'm not entirely sure how we'll change that um but you know i think facebook in terms of the ufo side of things it's almost to me it's had its day um and i don't really you know sort of concentrate much on twitter at the moment like it a a loathe it seems to be where everything's happening in terms of the conversation now i might that might be just me being you know sort of um sort of biased because i'm actually on twitter more than facebook uh but i think the language if it's going to evolve anywhere would be there 
if like so Joe Rogan started you know using things like that on a regular basis the you know the words that we think might be you know more prominent in the future then I'm sure you know him and other influences uh, influences sorry uh, whether they're on TikTok or uh, Instagram or, or wherever people consume their content from I'm sure that would be a, a great boost to getting these these words these phrases you know into the public domain and maybe that would get a bit of traction yeah that's fair um i had a point i wanted to make to you about that graham and i think it's gone from you know uh oh no um the the facebook side of things yeah i agree that it does seem to lean to an either an older conversation a lot more video focused that's where i see a lot of the orb stuff mm. sorry folks that i bang on about that but um i i do agree with you from that point of view uh there are people though there is an audience in it, part of this audience, people get in touch with me. Mm. And that, similar to when I said about, you know, I'm trying to play devil's advocate before we're done with the Lazar stuff. There are people who are fully bought into Lazar's story. There are people who aren't, mm. and there are people who aren't sure. And it's exactly the same across every aspect of this topic. There are people who don't care about Grush coming out. There are people who don't care about Lou Elizondo's book. There are people who don't care about the hearings. They like what they like because they are invested in an aspect of the UFO topic. And oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you will or can bring those folks now, or even if it's anyone's job to. Um, it's just that's that's what they like, and yeah, I, I get that. Um, it's like I suppose, like you know, there's various seasons of Star Trek and various incarnations of it. It's all Star Trek, but you know, Next Generation's the best, then Deep Space Nine, and then we can argue about the rest of it. But yeah, forget yeah, about Enterprise. <laughs> Yeah, I never even bothered. But there terrible. are purists who would watch all of it and talk yeah. about Star Trek as a whole. But there are others who just follow certain aspects of it. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and, and Dan, can I come to you then? Language, mainstream? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I loved the, the guys kind of said a few things they wanted to get rid of, which I thought was cool. So I'm just going to say those things up front. So I'd love to hear stop people saying people to stop saying the Akashic Record. I've heard it just used as a I am a bank of knowledge. The Akashic Record is the bank of knowledge. It has a definition. It is the record of everything everywhere in the universe ever. You can't just say I'm the UFO Akashic Record. I'm the, you know that it doesn't work. Also, Atlantis, Mu, Lemuria. I don't think we need those myths anymore. They have fed into a complete fascination with ancient civilizations that we are now defining with scientific work like LIDAR and things like that. It so happened that, you know, years ago, a massive wall was reported in the Amazon and the explorer that relayed this information was told he was a liar and nothing was found and there are no civilizations in the Amazon. Just in the past two years, we, we found like a, an 80-mile wall full of graffiti in the Amazon, and it's all bearing out. So I think we should get rid of those terms, get rid of those myths, and fully appreciate what's actually around us. And it'll help us kind of really grok and instill that Silurian hypothesis that Nathan mentioned, that there could have been people here before us. Advanced doesn't mean they had laser guns. It can just mean they built some really cool things that you know weren't hunter-gatherers, change the definitions, that kind of stuff. So back to UFOs. So the mainstream needs sexy language for it to hook on. And in UFOs, there's not a lot of that. There's a lot of a kind of language that makes people giggle. I think the a few things that kind of have almost caught but haven't uh, would be the term anomalous and understanding what that means in the context of when, you know, Sean Kirkpatrick says, we found a few anomalous things, but most of this stuff is nonsense and balloons that anomalous that's that's like put it in ball underline it like that means so much and it's doing so much heavy lifting and people just write it off i think that could become a, a spark that starts a fire uh, in the conversation we also have and again the guys pointed this out non-human intelligence the shift from et to non-human intelligence that is one that i feel really needs to happen because I, I think everyone in the subject is sick of just debunkers and skeptics pointing finger and saying it's not aliens, and we're just like, no, no one, no one said it was. Like even to the point where, when, oh well, not no one said it was, but we didn't say it was. When I speak to the MOD and I say, you know, are you doing any work on UFOs? They respond with, we don't think it's aliens, and I'm like, it's weird that you keep bringing it up. Like stop mentioning it. <laughs> you know, let's just talk about the actual work. Um, also the way we understand the word life right now is in a very particular way life as we know it right and 
as Nathan said, we we have all these wonderful things looking out into the universe that we're hearing rumors maybe that there's there's something coming down the pipe from James Webb discoveries and stuff like that that has recognized life out there in the universe. I think 2024 could be the time where we start appreciating life as we don't know it and understanding the the kind of complex web of evolution that goes into creating us from that life as we don't know it. That will give us kind of a much better idea of panspermia and how life spreads around the universe and how, you know, when we say ET, there's kind of a a subtle little wink in there that, you know, if we come from the stars, we're made of star stuff, like you could argue we're ET. So it kind of, the language becomes wishy-washy and I think we're going to have to get a better grasp of it as we start defining what life actually is. Abductions and cattle mutilations kind of go together for me. They're really easy conversations to have when you speak to people who are in the subject all the time, but they're really difficult conversations to have when you're just talking to someone that says, ah, so you believe in UFOs, huh? Yeah. Like really, really difficult. And I know there's, you know, these, the cattle are drained of blood. There are these incredible laser incisions and stuff like that. That conversation, I mean, it'll be packaged differently when it comes down to that kind of, uh, conversation but for now it's very much in that esoteric realm and it could move in the phrase or words that i would put money on becoming more talked about this year would be the phrase devices of unknown origin that hasn't really caught on yet again just like anomalous unknown origin it's not a country we've looked at all the countries it's not a country like it's almost begging people to to follow up with their you know speculation and thoughts about us not being alone and and i think that'll do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of stoking that fire as and i i i'm with you but again devil's advocate dan you're getting it here on this one devices of unknown origin why isn't that a country isn't that just we don't know where it's from but it it could be china it could be they have leapfrogged and i always use china because that's the next you know comparatively but if china does have a drone that is a cube inside of a sphere, then if, say, the US did get a hold of that, would that not still be to them, shit, what have we got here? And they might actually think, is this something that's non-human, but actually it's Chinese? Well, I mean, it's a great question. You, you know, if we if we were to get something from, say, China, like sticking with the scenario that you've kind of painted there, it would have transistors, it would use materials that we know, you know, they, they would be a well-established what industrial line to that. If it doesn't humor me, and that's that's what I mean. Yeah. That, and, and this wow thing that they've it's jumped. Yeah, and and then that becomes a a conversation about kind of you know an unknown aspect of physics that isn't being used by the mainstream, and that's still transformative in in a huge way. Um, you know, if it has a power source that we don't know about, or uses any technology we don't know about, it just it changes that conversation in, in a big way. Because it wouldn't just be, oh, China has a drone. It would be, oh, China has materials that the rest of the world had no idea existed and can power these things in these crazy ways. It's it's still a huge thing. And, that and don't get me wrong. That's not me arguing for the sake of arguing. Oh, because I, no. I still struggle with that because I think that could be the case. And I try to look at this from various sides. But then if you are China and you do have that, would you want to use it for that to then fall into US hands? Because like you say, yeah, they might look at it and go, oh, we can't work this out, but you've got it now. So you can start working it out. And if yeah. it's not non-human, I imagine even if it's advanced, it's going to be easier to work back and start to go, actually, we are starting to look at something like this, or we have played about with a prototype like this, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I, I've heard, for example, um, you know, I wasn't told not to talk about this, so I'm just going to talk about it. Um, I, I've heard that... Uh, certain companies are close to producing silver orbs that can travel on electromagnetism that, you know, they use that principle. They could go down a pipe and fix oil spills, you know, all that kind of stuff. They move around that way. That's almost an entirely new principle of travel. So if we're close to kind of doing that, there's kind of a, a new world that awaits us either way. That's science, Dan. Let's science things up a bit. And initially, I had this down as this bit's for Dan. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's been touched on a few times anyway. Um, the James Webb Telescope uh, and possible intelligent life 
and I want to ask, and we'll stick with you, Dan, for this, then come to Nathan and Graham. What's the most likely thing that we will get? And and it's interesting, Nathan, you said about, you know, city streetlights. I've put down here, are we looking at full-blown cloud city being discovered, Lando Calrissian style? Or are we looking at little microbes farting chemicals, to put it bluntly? Um, <laughs> Dan, we'll come to you first then. What are we looking at is realistically, if something's announced, what's it going to be? I, I think realistically, it's more likely that the announcement would be farting microbes. Uh, I'll give you that one. That is where it would start. That conversation kind of becomes... <laughs> it did. That's great. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's what would start the conversation. You know, if they find these microbes and they're using chemical processes in certain ways, in different ways to what we expect on another world it starts kind of opening up the conversation of what other forms of life could be out there and how it develops and whether what we think as a standard path to evolution is the only path to evolution in life. However, there is a slim scenario that, you know, James Webb can't see, it, it couldn't see city streetlights. You know, if it was looking at the visible light and we pointed it at Earth, it would just, that's not what it would see. But what it can see is, you know, vegetation and molecular makeup of the atmosphere. So we can imply a lot from that. So when we look at Earth and we look at the vegetation, you can see how everything's put in squares in certain areas and you're looking at the use of agriculture and there are implications from that there. So we could find out that perhaps there's evidence of agriculture or an industrial presence on another world that's suggested by a fingerprint in a chemical makeup in the atmosphere but we would have to do a follow-up mission to look at that. Something coming out this year is the opening, grand opening of the Vera Rubin Observatory. And this is a big one because at the moment, pretty much we have telescopes that can point in one direction. As the planet rotates and you know the, the Earth moves around the sun, it means we lose sight of certain things. We can't watch them all the time. And we have to be really specific. You know, We're kind of looking through this tiny little window onto the whole cosmos. The Vera Rubin Observatory is going to image the entire night sky almost every single night. So if you are, whatever you are studying, you can just, once this launches, instead of looking through these tiny little windows into the stars, you can look at the whole night sky and apply your study into that. that that's huge. And we could potentially find things like, uh, I was going to say supernova then, a, a neutron star that, you know, they spin super fast and they give off radio signals and we suspect they're responsible for things called fast radio bursts. We could find that fast radio bursts are so much more common than we thought and that they don't have a source that is related to that. And so it opens up the questions um, of, of what they are. Based on James Webb as well, there is no way that we don't start using these technologies and find things that we did not know existed before. As I said earlier, and... You, you know, I, I read a little bit of Keel, and something that's really striking me as I read it is there's like this whole section in the book where he rails against uh, people studying exobiology and looking for exoplanets because in his time we hadn't found any. So he spends a lot of time disparaging the efforts of SETI and people like that. And yet now we're over 5,000, and we know that there are, you know, 100 billion stars in the milky way and a hundred billion milky ways in the cosmos and you know it, there are so 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 many planets around us that to think that someone as as deeply thoughtful as john keel didn't have that information and how that would have impacted the the kind of hypothesis that he applied to the phenomena differently is it, it blows my mind every time i read it uh times change and whether we're talking about five years, 10 years, 20 years, there are new paradigms that creep in. And 100% James Webb and the Vera Rubin Observatory are absolutely going to feed into those this year. Nathan, do you have the word fart in the US? We do. We do have the word fart. And it uh, means the same thing? I think so, which is really, that's makes me happy. Cool, that's good. Because um, I'm aware oh, earlier on, I was watching a, a TV show and they mentioned um, licking a cat's fanny. And in the UK, that means something different to what it does in the US. It was always sunny in Philadelphia for context. And mm. I was just thinking there, I wonder if fart means the same thing. So yeah, and any US listeners should understand farting microbes as a, 
as a as a word and a label. So, uh, Nathan, I'm going to come to you on that. So, James Webb Telescope, you mentioned before, you know, street lights, for example, being flippant. But yeah, what do you think we're likely to get? Well, I am hopeful for uh, the 40 microbes, the signs of um, you know some sort of chemical life that would be detected in the atmosphere of a planet out in the universe. But we're continuing to discover. I think new things about the universe that we didn't know before. And that's just the beauty of having this kind of sensitive instrument that is out there. It's changing the way we think about the, the origins of the universe, what can or can't happen out there. Uh, when you start applying what it's doing, the data collection that it's doing, start applying all of that data and putting that through uh, machine learning and, and AI algorithms and things like that, we're going to continue to find just really exciting discoveries. And that may very well change our conceptions of what reality is. Uh, I think it will. I think it has to. Uh, for example, we're, we've heard before a talk of uh, giant sort of alien mega structures or Dyson spheres. And so one of the things that, you know, popular uh, folks, people interested in, in this kind of astro uh, discovery will say is, oh, if we can find signatures of one of these Dyson spheres, of one of these alien megastructures. Well, I mean, that's a, a really kind of 21st century or 20th century even expectation of what an advanced civilization would do or even need. They, we're, we're thinking that they would have the same sort of limitations on energy generation and creation that we have. And in order just to get more energy, they have to get it from their star and surround it. And what if that's not really what is necessary at all? And so it's possible that instead of scaling up in size, things actually scale down and we might not see evidence of other advanced life at all, uh, at least from, from the perspective that we're taking to it. So I think, uh, We'll continue to see interesting kind of tidbits from James Webb. Uh, it would be an amazing year if we did hear that announcement that we've definitively reviewed this and there's a biosignature in, in this planet and we're going to point all of our instrumentation at it and we're going to confirm that that is in fact true. I think if that if that one thing happens, it really does begin to change the game for yeah. the world because it, it really lights the imagination and gets us uh, expanding the possibility space which makes room for the ideas and concepts that we've been so interested in over the last many years. Because it's just that the answer is we're not alone. So what else is out there? Is it here already? Is all, and that's it. Yeah, it just shines a spotlight right back on everything here. And I agree. I think that would be similar to that idea that it would go from not to 100 miles an hour. Abductions, mile away from the conversation. But if we get disclosure, then abductions go right to the forefront, I would imagine. Same with James Webb discovers farting microbes. Then immediately it opens up other other intelligent species out there. There must be, if you find one, you find more. It's not like, okay, it's just us and these farting microbes, um, the band. So yeah, um, <laughs> Graham, it's very unlikely to find a spitfire on Uranus, but what would you like the James Webb telescope to discover <laughs> this year? Well, I've heard that they're uh, they're going to be looking a bit more closely at Alpha Centauri, which is our nearest star sort of system neighbor. I know there's what, three stars, isn't there? Um, and I think in March this year, there's plans to look for more planets and also to look at the planets that they've already allegedly found, the exoplanets that they've found there. Um, so if they were to find like an Earth-like planet that's there, because at the moment it seems to me that all, all I read about for exoplanets are the super-Earths, so ones which are much bigger than, than Earth, or the ones that seem to flit around their star at 12-day intervals or 20-day intervals, which is incredibly quick. I mean, that's quicker than Mercury, uh, which is, what, 88 days or something. Um, so they all, all all the planets that I, I seem to have heard about, and I might be wrong, I'm, I'm probably wrong here, but they all seem to be very quick or very close to their pair of their star. You're, you're correct. Or, 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 yeah, okay, or both, because they have to stand out somehow. Whereas if the James Webb telescopes look at something much closer, so what, 4.3 or, or so light years away, then hopefully it'll have the, the power to be able to detect something which more approximates an Earth. Um, and, you know, it might be in the, in the so-called Goldilocks zone, uh, which means that it might harbor life which is more like our own. It might be nowhere near the same as ours, but it might be more like carbon-based or, or, or something that approximates what we think of life. However, life 
you know, is not as we know it, Jim. Um, it, it could be sulfur-based. It might be silicon-based. It, it doesn't have to be carbon-based. So, you know, who knows what its kind of thresholds or, or uh, it might be microscopic, as you say. It, it could be so flimsy that you don't you see right through it. Uh, it may just be a consciousness. You know, who knows if you're going to start speculating on this kind of thing. So, you, as Nathan says, you might never see evidence of it. It might be so transitory, um, or, or just so so just invisible, that, or, or so microscopic that you never see it. Um, the things I hope we don't see are a huge alien spacecraft coming towards Earth, like ID four, uh, you know, um, and it's a meteor. Oh no, it's slowing down. That kind of thing. That, that's the thing I hope we don't see, uh, because that might be bad news. That, that's just me being being flippant. Sorry, but yeah, I would like to see a bit more kind of you know, this focus on nearer neighbours in terms of, um, you know, star systems, so Alpha Centauri um, and the ones which are much closer rather than looking at the ones that are thousands and maybe, you know, hundreds of light years away where we're never realistically going to be able to send a probe there. Whereas we probably do have the technology, or at least we will have in maybe the next 10, 20 years, to send something maybe as far as Alpha Centauri. It might take 50 years to get there, but we might be able to do that. I guess, you know, if the rate of kind of uh, technological sort of like advancement. Um, but in the meantime, maybe we should be looking closer to home as well, looking for um, evidence on other planets, because, you know, we're saying that things, um, you know, try to look for advanced history, uh, sorry, um, clues of maybe visitations in the past, as Dan was mentioning before, well, why not Mars? I know there was a whole Cydonia thing years ago, which turned out to be nothing like a face on Mars. But that doesn't mean to say there might not be other things there. Um, I, I remember fondly a, a James McDivitt book uh, called The Engines of God, a science fiction novel, where a probe to one of uh, a manned mission to one of Saturn's moons uh, comes up with a, a, sees a statue. Uh, of what they call the builders, uh, and it's a long dead civilization, but it shows that you know that solar system was visited. And I would love to be able to you know a probe to find something like that um, out in you know whether it was sort of floating around in orbit somewhere or it was on a moon, um, you know. So that that would be amazing. But are, are we going to find that? I don't know, and I think that might be getting into the realms of some of the people we were talking about before, who who some of you were being rather disparaging about. <laughs> so. Uh, who knows? But yeah, so, it, it's, it's exciting times. I, I just wanted to add, Andy, there is no Spitfire on Uranus, but there is a Tesla and a helicopter on Mars that we left there mm. as, as junk. So, you know, not Spitfire, but at some point, they'll be the equivalent. <laughs> um, yeah, Graham, when, when you said about microscopic life and the sizes, it made me think of, you know, does does a a whale know that plankton exists <laughs> Is that a dimensional separation there that we could call it? It's a, it's a really interesting uh, point. And the whole thing about life on Mars, I think it was the Kreptovrong, the Viking, uh, where they did a test to see if there was life on Mars. And some people took that as a yes, and some people yeah. took it as a non-confirmation. And half the problem is, is they had no working definition of life to say, this ticks all the boxes. And so it's just this wishy-washy argument for the past like 30, 40 years. Do you think, and this is a little bit speculative, but if we get any kind of confirmation of some kind of bio life out there, whatever it might be, we can even, was it Buzz Aldrin said there's a monolith on the moon? Someone definitely did that. It was Phobos, I think. On Was it Phobos? Was it Phobos. The moon? Yeah. yeah. Um, Phobos is where? Mars. 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 How long would that take to get something there? Like a probe, couple of years, six hundred days. Okay, yeah. so would you be able to very quickly then get someone like Elon Musk involved or Jeff Bezos, one of the evil billionaires with money, and just be like, send something there now privately because there's life out there, and this guy might have been telling the truth, and all of a sudden, within two years, boom, there you go, there's your monolith. Yeah. You, you absolutely could. And the DOD, I think this week, requested permission from SpaceX to take control of their missions when they're in orbit. And obviously, they're classified missions and stuff like that. But that's kind of the UFO community's bread and butter, isn't it? Well, send Kanye can <laughs> into space. I've been seeing it for a long time. Get them up there with a brand new iPhone. You can get them up there, like, full, you know, advertising specs, everything. His new trainers, the whole lot. Bang. Get Kanye taking videos in space. Um <laughs> 
Yeah, so Billy Carson would be all over that, wouldn't he? Um, he would, so yeah. yeah, yeah, take a shot. Um, but yeah, uh, and on to the final kind of main heading for this one before we look at a few last points. Um, documentaries, TV series and books. I'm just classifying it under media that's going to come in 2024. But we've got James Fox's new documentary hopefully due out. Um, Lou Elizondo's book may see a release later in the year. Um, Netflix version of The Three Body Problem is due to start in March. Um, what are you guys looking forward to or think that could really help the conversation? And I'm happy if it's just entertainment you're looking for, but is there anything you really think could make a difference? Uh, Graham, we're going to come to you first, mate. Yeah, I mean, James Fox's documentary seemed to be kind of the yardstick of you know what you want to achieve and what you want to see from a documentary. Um, there's loads of documentaries out there, you know, whether Homespun or whether on Netflix or, or what have you. And most of the time it's just like, <sighs> but actually his are you know his do set a kind of a high bar so but you can only do one of them every so often because he, he's only one man uh with obviously limited funds etc etc so it'd be nice to see somebody else come along and actually you know be able to come out with a similar amount of stuff but i can't see that happening um i'm a bit i'm a bit all over the place with documentaries because i don't know i, I just end up wanting more uh, and I never get it. Uh, Lou's book, yes, I'm, I'm really sort of, uh, you know, looking forward to see what, what he writes. Um, at the end of the day, I guess still people will want more, and I'm sure there'll be qu- more questions raised than answers, uh, but that's just the nature of the beast. Um, I would like to see David Grush write a book, funnily enough. Uh, I'm not sure whether that'll ever happen this year because it'll probably it, the way things like that work with people in those positions. It takes longer than a year to write it. They're, they're not like me who can just push something out in maybe six months. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I would like to see him do that. Um, yeah, and on another bit of I suppose uh, entertainment value, then you know this podcast. What's going to happen when your book pile gets to the top? I need to take some <laughs> stuff out the pile. Um... You, yeah. you guys know the story of the Tower of Babel, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was holding. Are you going to have it on the other side, or is this, is um, this somewhere there? There's no, there's nothing behind. No, that's the no. co- people. That's the corner of a shelf, and Dan might remember. This is a black T-shirt. This isn't even a black shelf. This is a black. <laughs> Yeah. I don't actually know what T-shirt it is anymore. It might be one I mean, of the I've old, seen it as well. You know, you, you showed me this. Place yeah, you, yeah, you've been yeah. in here, Graham. Yeah. Uh, one of the only people that's ever seen in here. Uh, <laughs> That's a black T-shirt covering a really red wooden shelf that's not particularly stable. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't actually know. Hmm. I might go full green screen background and, and stuff. I don't oh, know. No. You could be in a fish tank. I could be fucking under a fish tank at this rate. Like, no one knows. Like, um, But, yeah, sorry. Swearing unnecessarily for me. Uh, but, yeah, no, thank you, Graham. Uh, Dan, over to you from a, a media point of view. So... Three Body is something I'm really looking forward to. There are some really lofty concepts in in that trilogy of books. I highly recommend people read the books, but the people seem excited for the series, and it's going to facilitate so much conversation about could something be coming here really slow, and the way that the visitors um, are, are coming towards Earth. I'm trying not to be spoilery here too much. Yeah. Um, is they don't they don't contact everyone. There's only a few people, and then it's kind of this kind of you know secret insidious plot kind of thing. So would could could disclosure look like that? Is, is could the government just be tracking one or two people that are being contacted by a genuine species that are on their way or something like that? It's, and uh, on that, it's big budget. It's the people who made Game of Thrones. They're putting hundreds of millions into this. This isn't a small series Netflix is putting together. No. They are they are investing in this. It's going to be it, it'll either be a big flop or a big hit. It's it's, it's big though. I I really want it to do well so that mm. I can see them grapple with book two and three because they're so difficult to adapt. Um, I'm, and I'm just excited to see what stuff looks like there. Um, something, a little synchronicity thing, the, the Apple Vision Pro came out today and in the trailer for the three-body problem, it looks like they're wearing the Apple Vision Pro, like the VR headsets they have on are very similar looking. Just a little, it's just weird. Do you think I mean. it might be from an advertising point of view that Apple have managed to get them in there? You know, Maybe, probably. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't surprise me. Um, so yes, the... The one I'm excited for this year, you know, James Fox obviously is Stella. Lou's book is going to be Stella. Um, to the Stars announced a book called Trinity that is based kind of way back when the atomic testing was happening. Supposedly, we knocked a UFO out of the sky uh, when we did that. So that's going to kind of tell that story in a fictional manner. I really hope there's a little bit of crossover with Secret Machines. You know, maybe we see that's, where a couple of characters in, started. 
Is that in Secret Machines? The... It's mentioned, yes. Yeah. They, uh-huh, it's yeah. like, because Secret Machines, it has chaps as a story, and then it'll kind of just uh, tell a story of a UFO experience from, you know, the fictional character's point of view, and yeah. Trinity is one of those. So it'd be cool if there was a little crossover there. Maybe, and I doubt it, but maybe we'll see book three announced of Secret Machines uh, or, or the God's Man War series. That'd be great. Um, Graham is way too humble to toot his own horn here, but uh, there is a wonderful book coming from Graham in the future he's always writing and always doing incredible research you definitely get those they are going to be the source documents for almost every tv show and documentary you'll see in the future they're amazing um and yeah that's the end of my list (laughs) and just i I don't want to spoil it graham and it's not my place dan's worked on art with olaf and you know you're doing the book and you do the words but as a crossover between a time traveling species with bigfoot mixed in as well because that's where you sit in the ufo conversation am i right oh, spoiler alert hell yeah okay. <sighs> graham was explaining to me how the bottom of sources you know it's kind of you get this like plate shape with this little lump in the bottom that lump is there just so bigfoot can put his feet in there spacious yeah, yeah. I, I believe thanks so. for giving it away guys <laughs> nathan do you want to like, just give it away the plot as well well because well, you know just holy trifecta no i think they've covered it pretty pretty well already i'm very excited for it though i know it's a departure for you but i think it'll be a page turner um yeah i i don't think i would add anything to the list that these guys have shared um in terms of the the higher expectation pieces that i have uh i should say let me re- rephrase that the pieces that i already know about that are coming down the pipeline um i think i would agree that those are the the ones i'm looking forward to um I'm also, I mean, this is just totally because you asked, uh, you know, what are the things we're excited to see? The the Dune uh, Part 2, I'm very excited to see that movie. I was just a huge fan of the first one. Uh, the way I that never that watched the first one. I never uh, watched it. Big, big really? screen. I've yeah. seen it on I know the cinema screen and on a plane. You need the cinema. Dan knows I've got a cinema card, like the Unlimited one. Um, it's back out on IMAX, I think, next week. Uh, Do it. it doesn't appeal to me. It just looks like a lot of sand. There is a lot of sand. You hate sand. Yeah. Yeah. It's dark. You know I hate sand. Like, I have an (laughs) irrational hatred of sand. Then don't watch it. Uh, But I'm excited for it. I think it'll be cool. Um, And then, you know, just sort of off the mainstream, but equally exciting for me are going to be what I I would assume to be the next Soul uh, Foundation conference that'll most likely happen some point next year. And that'll create more interesting content for us to, uh, to, to consume be interested in the, you know, obviously Jay and James are doing uh, more inquire anomalous conferences in, in New York. Uh, those are always, uh, you know, must see, must attend kinds of events. Uh, our friends, uh, Kelly and Jay and Jordan, uh, with their uh, project on, on Talkalypse. I know they're working on some, uh, video and I think even some, uh, some, some book material as well. So excited to see what they put out. Um, more and more. I mean, I would just hope that you continue to get more listeners that, that shows that are, you know, that all the work that we're doing kind of in the community that continues to get some interest. Uh, I think that that will, I think we'll see that continue as the subject just continues to break into the more of the mainstream. Uh, but we're going to see some new voices too. And that that's going to be interesting. What kind of new players enter the uh, arena in terms of uh, shedding their interest on it and, and concentrating their interest on it. We're seeing hints of that already with people like uh, Tucker Carlson, of course, Joe Rogan. Um, what's the other guy's name? Ryan, uh, John Ryan, you know, he's done mm-hmm. several podcasts. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of the, the big podcasters uh, start talking to UFO people as this becomes more and more acceptable to, to discuss uh, which in my opinion is great. I think we've done a lot of really wonderful work over the last several years, uh, you know, discussing the topic, uh, elevating the conversation, trying to push to more nuanced theories and uh, appreciate what's happening here. And that work I think really does bear fruit. I think we're, we're seeing some of that already. And, and I can just hear point to things that David Grush has already said in the way that he has tried to frame what it was that he discovered and what it was he's trying to explain and convey to the ICIG. It wasn't just a nicely neat packaged ET hypothesis. It had a lot of complexity to it. And I, I believe that that is the case. It's, it's, it's a complex story and we're going to have to evolve our understanding of what it might be because it's likely going to be stranger than we can, than we, we can imagine. It's probably cheating, but literally or obvious even I, 
James Fox in the documentary, Lou Elizondo's book, uh, Netflix Three Body Problem is my kind of immediate things that spring to mind. If I had to throw in something that is a little bit curveball-y, I would like to see some, probably one more big New York Times article from Kane, Blumenthal and Cooper, if, if Elaine Cooper's even still wanting to do it. Um, something from those folks to really push things down the line. That crash retrieval one would be great if that was even still possible or plausible. I think a lot of that would depend on getting past an editor and, you know, someone is making decisions, but a lot of that will depend on what happens with hearings, grush. I think, again, you mentioned dominoes earlier on, Nathan. There's a, a huge domino effect that can happen just in the media. And again, three-body problem takes off, more public get involved. If they leave hearings till after March, April, when three bodies finished, does that mean there's more public imagination captured for the UFO alien conversation? Oh, who knows? Um, but for me, that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, maybe yeah. I get off the back of that some, some good kind of 60 minutes piece or documentaries off the back of it, but who knows? Sorry, Dan. There, there were a few things I forgot to mention. Um, this year we're getting an alien TV show, which might be interesting. The alien movies never really kind of push a UFO angle, but it'll be interesting if it's, you know, a stronger one. Um, there's rumors of an X-Files reboot, which I think is interesting because the, seen, the last yeah. couple of seasons of that, there was a real tension with the UFO subject and conspiracies in general and how the X-Files presented it that really doesn't fly in the modern day. And you could kind of see that struggle on screen. A few episodes were great. A few kind of were really tough to kind of get through. Um, so that always inspires conversation. We are hopefully this year kind of going to see a BBC UFO documentary, which I'm looking forward to seeing. You know, that's a huge audience. That's a reputable channel that's going to reach people like my mom. Um, so that's awesome. And I just wanted to touch on what Nathan said about the good work that's been done that has gotten us to this point. And to just emphasize, you know, you can, the, the saying goes, give me a big enough fulcrum and I can move the world. And, and I think the last few years have really shown that, you know, this conversation has grown up in a huge way. And Andy would never say this, but one of the first times that Andy and I spoke, he, he told me his reason for wanting to start a podcast was because there was a particular one that I won't mention that he was dissatisfied with that he, he wanted to kind of, you know, be a competitor to. Uh, he, he leapfrogged that uh, in the last week. So congratulations, Andy. And just another... In the last week? Proof. Uh, yeah. You'll have to explain that one to me off. I'll talk to you offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you overtook that. And I think that's another kind of manifestation of, you know, I want to see this in the world. So I'm going to put this into the world. So if you think you can help with the subject, get involved, do what you can. And, you know, we, we're to the point now where Andy speaks to senators on this podcast. That's, mm. you know, <laughs> in 2017, we never would have thought that was possible. Um, can I just clear up? I, I don't remember much, Dan, but when I say competitor, if anyone's going, oh, Andy's a dick, and I am a dick, by the way, um, but I, it's more like, because I remember, um, and it's you not said you wanted way, to but... put them out of business. I think that was the phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. My two listeners on day one, of which one was me checking the episode, went out okay. Um, it was just, I was listening to, to a few podcasts and I just remember being like, oh, these guys have changed their tune the way they used to talk about something really positively and now they're not. And then there was that ego thing of, I think I could I could ask some questions. Or do you know what? I want to ask some questions I don't think get asked enough. And I'm sure people listen to me and, and that would be great. People listen to me and go, oh, you should have asked this. Go and do it. Yeah, that's, that's why I do this. Um, but I'll use like a big podcast. Like I used to really like Neil deGrasse Tyson's Star Talk. Yeah, I appreciated that, but then I kind of went off it once I started doing this because of his narrative and stuff. And same with Brian Cox, uh, Infinite Monkey Cage. I used to enjoy that, but then you find out that Brian Cox talks about UFOs, just puts you off a little bit. Um, not to say they don't do good stuff, but um, not, but not yeah, such no, an that's... infinite monkey cage after all. No, a, a less big monkey cage. Um, <laughs> but I suppose on that, um, we're going to fire through this last part. I've got some listener points we can just touch on. I won't ask for massive responses, guys. But um, what do you not want to see this year? Um, keeping it civil um, in the topic. Uh, I'm going to start with Graham. What do uh, you not want to see 2024? More mummies. End of. Okay. Even if they're genuine? <laughs> Are they going to be? 
I'll be really honest, right? I'll be really honest with the mummy stuff. Um, people have asked why I've not covered it more, or why when Dan's not been on, we've not talked about it too much more. I don't, Dan. I'm not going to speak for you. I've not dived into it massively because I found it really confusing and complex to dive into massively. In in terms of, yes, there have been some credible people have looked at these but i don't know those folks i don't know their credentials i don't know what they're looking at i think the the element of a language barrier plays a part in that too at times um i don't know i just think there's been a lot of it that like i said the main thing for me has always been the optics of how it's looked how it's been presented how they've gone about it totally should have been done a different way um but yeah that's, it just it just makes me like want to run screaming in the other direction every time I say this stuff. As you say, the way it's presented, the way it's put forward, the people who they have fronting it. Um, I don't know. It, it just if it was if there was something to it, it would be a hell of a lot bigger. Didn't matter what language it was in. To me, if so. Brendan if Brendan Fraser and Rachel Vice had came in tearing up the place, I would have been far more invested. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Dan. What about yourself? What What do you not want to see in twenty twenty four? So, uh, one, I don't want to see Stephen Greer cry this year. Uh, I feel like there's been a documentary with a fake Stephen Greer tear in every year since since I found this subject, and it would be nice to have a break from that. But the thing that I would like to see just go away is these disparaging limited articles from journalists. When they come out, the community reacts with this whole, you know, it's a conspiracy, someone's feeding them information, so on and so forth. But as we talk about, this is a confusing and muddy pool of water. And it would be really great if we could get more balanced articles instead of articles that just focus on disparaging the subject and the ET idea and faster than light and psyop idea. This subject is so much bigger than all of those. And you really have to ignore a lot to, to kind of go down that road. For example, there was an article this week where the writer said that it didn't interest him that the UAP Disclosure Act was even maybe put into law and, you know, torn apart and stuff like that. Yet he spends the article talking about Grush. Grush wrote some of that. He helped form that. So it's kind of an integral piece. And even if the writer didn't agree that it was important, it would be nice to just have that balanced perspective presented, especially to let readers make up their own minds, you know? And and so, yeah, I, I would like to see uh, better language from journalists. And Nathan? Uh, I would like to see politicians no longer use the phrase, this is not about little green men. I'm really tired of hearing that one. I think it's uh, just a callback to the stigma that has been around this subject for so long, and all the things that are silly, like the, the as Graham said earlier, the X-Files music, I mean, it'd be nice to just kind of leave that behind uh, and, and treat this a lot more seriously. And Dan, I mean, I think you make an excellent point. We need more articles that are uh, balanced from both perspectives that are really trying to present a, as best they can, more of a neutral perspective on the topic. Because to be honest, that's really where we are. We are in a bit of a neutral territory because we don't have something that's overwhelmingly convincing uh, and we don't have something that's overwhelmingly dismissive. We're, we're really kind of in this limbo state. And it's interesting how we people gravitate subjectively, of course, to what they consider to be you know, good evidence. Uh, I certainly... You know, have, I'm in one camp. I think there's enough people who've come forward over the decades, enough stories, anecdotes, evidence, pieces of evidence to say there's something to this story. But uh, I, I totally get how some people look at all of that that I think is, has validity to it, and they say that's just a, you know, just a fantasy. They basically kind of parrot what Kirkpatrick said in his article, and that's just this. It's been a decades long game of telephone by some very enthusiastic insiders who just managed to put forward this really fun uh, titillating story and it's captivated the imagination of the American Congress. That's essentially the, you know, the, the dismissive take that, that I think is in the, in the mainstream. So will it evolve? Will the conversation move away from this sort of tribal, I think back and forth? Cause uh, quite frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm just, I, I think we need something that's going to move the ball further down the field here, use the sports analogies so that we can put the, these kinds of petty things behind us and really focus on what actually is going on uh, because is it is it a, a, a you know government waste of resources is it uh, you know some sort of 
uh, you know, psyop run amok amongst the uh, the intelligence communities and, and Congress people. Is there something really happening? What is it? What's the U.S.'s culpability in it? I mean, there, there, there's a real story here that's interesting on so many different levels, even if you take out the uh, the non-human intelligence component to it. So let, let's continue to see the m- maturity of it and move away from these sort of dismissive, uh, juicy stigma sound bites that we, we keep hearing every year. Yeah, I think I'll just add in, I would like to see less of people being stuck with one narrative or opinion and just refusing to listen or look at anything else. I made a point of starting to listen. I mentioned some of the old Art Bell interviews. And the first one I chose to go to was Stephen Greer from 1998. Um, A lot of quite similar sound bites, to be honest. It was quite interesting that so much of it could have been now talking about potential hearings, politicians coming forward, folks in the background being briefed on various things. He adds his own unique Stephen Greer slant that, you know, wink, wink, I know more than you do, but, you know, and I'm heavily involved, and I think he was in a way. Um, so I found that interesting. It didn't change my spin on him, but it was it was an interesting listen to go back kind of 25, 26 years and listen to Stephen Greer talking to Art Bell, and I'm going to try and do more of that just listening to the older stuff anyway from back then i'll talk about it at some point on some shows and stuff but um yeah i'm always up for listening to other opinions other folks ideas i don't have to agree with them i might go in with a bias that i'm not going to agree with them anyway i think we all kind of do that naturally in a way but for me i've got no problem looking and going yeah fair enough i've already this year several times agreed with mick west immediately on his assertion or something doesn't mean i think he's right on the ufo topic in general and his thoughts are very biased but when he's right, he's right. You know, that's that's just fair. So I'd love to see folks just go, do you know what? Should I look at some different opinions? Should I look at some different viewpoints? It might not change your own, but it might help it be a little bit more malleable and flexible, which I don't think is a bad thing, especially in this conversation. Totally Listener great. points. Listener points to finish off. Yeah, so um, first off, uh, from Joey is not my name, who's made himself a bit of a superstar in the Discord these days. Uh, Joey, I know Daniel spoke to him earlier, I believe. I, yeah, literally a couple of hours ago, so hi. <laughs> um, I, he says, I hope we'll see some of the first-hand legacy program witnesses referenced by Grush Corbell and Sheehan provide evidence publicly, or at the very least privately, to Congress to the point where Burchette can state, I have now seen irrefutable proof of the crash retrieval program dag gamut um so yeah i think you just wanted to get that in there one um, but I'll, i'm going to just pick a random uh graham let me come to you on that one then so um first-hand legacy witnesses uh grush corbell sheehan Graham, where do you stand on danny sheehan i don't know he seems larger than life um sometimes he comes out with stuff that yeah it's just so sort of completely off the wall i just think seriously and then other times he makes sense and I don't know where he is on the spectrum as to how much I believe and how much I don't. Um, you know, is he going to turn into a Stephen Greer? Um, you know, for the, for this for this decade, I don't know. Um, Say, so just as after he comes out with one thing that makes complete sense, he then follows it up with something else just completely like baffling, uh, or just nonsensical, or that doesn't doesn't sit into all the rest of it. And I don't know. So I've stopped. To be honest, for that reason, I've stopped watching like stuff he's in because I just can't. He's all to me. He's all over the place, and I just never. I've got a thought. It just, it just, it just gets in the way for me. So, yeah, I've I've got a thought as to why that might be, and I'm not. This is just purely off a putting two and two together and getting seven. Um, Danny Sheehan is involved with a lot of different folks. Hmm. We know he was with Greer. We know Hmm. he was with Lou Elizondo at one point. We know he's involved with the Hollywood Disclosure Alliance stuff. Now, there's three very different camps right off the bat before we even say anything else. Um, New Paradigm Institute and everything. Do you think that's an element of when you are involved in so many different groups and factions and opinions, whether you're still with them now, you're not with them any longer, you do mix a lot of that soup oh, quite together, possibly. yeah, and it yeah. starts to bleed in. And I, I think guess, there's a yeah. bit of that. I think there might be, and you might be just like thinking of something else as well, or you might, you know, have yeah, you have your fingers in different pies, and it all just bleeds into one. So who knows? But yeah, he's just he's just one of those people I simply just can't get away with. He might be he might be lovely, and he might have the keys to the universe, but it's just somebody that I can't. I don't know. I, I've just 
I just can't watch him for those reasons I gave before. There's other people who I, I love to watch because they're you know they're straightforward and you you you, see, you get what you see. Whereas I don't know, he's just one of those persons that I've I've stopped watching. Dan, uh, I'm going to come to you with a, a, a two words actually from White Owls. Oh. Um, no, What's not owl, who <laughs> uh, White Owls. <laughs> um, just said full disclosure, no grammar to it. Full disclosure. Uh, yeah, are, are we getting full disclosure this year? Uh, I would, before we know how to answer that, I would need to understand what they thought disclosure was. And I think this is something that everyone needs to consider. Disclosure means different things to different people. To some people, it has happened already. To Lou Elizondo, it is a process and there will never be an event that we'll call disclosure and, you know, it'll be pre and post. Um, I'm kind of more of the opinion that disclosure would just be confirming other life in the universe, you know, the James Webb telescope could do that. So to just say full disclosure uh, in 2024 raises a lot of questions. I think we'll move towards it in a kind of, you know, objectively move towards it in a way. But like I said, that really needs to be defined and everyone has a different idea of what disclosure means to them. I'll just say to that one, why else? No, not this year. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Sneaky McDave, uh, Sneaky McDave. This one's for you, Nathan. Uh, Sneaky says more hearings with first-hand witnesses under oath. Ideally, some sort of leak of a photo or video that is undeniable, even if that if that is even possible anymore with the advances of AI and fakery. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Are we? I... Let me let me just qualify that. Then, are we past the point of photos or videos being? irrefutable evidence i'm past the point of photos and videos being irrefutable evidence i mean i don't really look at them much anymore to be honest with you um unless there's a really clear chain of custody for that information uh, it's going to remain in that speculation zone and mick west is going to do what mick west does i agree with you he's got some uh sometimes he's right and on the money but other times it's essentially just like how can i duplicate whatever's on this video using some sort of prosaic materials so i mean mean, it's just like how could i make a cgi how could i make a a puppet look like uh, you know a real life frog or something like i could do it and i could say that's a fake frog because i just made one and that's kind of what i feel like we do a lot so that's not interesting to me anymore i mean it, it certainly would be amazing if you had someone from the military under oath in front of Congress say, you know, I brought this uh, video, I, I smuggled it out of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and you know, here's this footage with all of this uh, accompanying radar sensor, et cetera, information, and, and what it shows is not a, a fuzzy blob or a jellyfish or anything that's undiscernible, but a clearly non-human-made you know, human made craft of some kind that you know, we would go, well, we've never made anything like that unless it's some, in some sort of black budget you know, project. So that would move the needle further, I think. Awesome. Um, and for all of you, um, we've answered some of these questions from Peter anyway, but he's asked, he's got one of them. Um, what, will you be buying a Panasonic GH6 in 2024? And then he said, I have to see the Chris Leto files. I've not seen an episode yet referencing that. So it just looks like a really fancy camera, which is about 1,400 quid um, or about a grand. Yeah, so probably $1,500 roughly. I don't know the... Uh, it looks like a good kind of night vision type camera, probably. I'll ask you, though, what UFO-related purchase might you be making or would you like to make this year? Dan? So if I had the money right now uh, to purchase a big-ticket item uh, that I've had my eyes on for a while, I would probably end up going with a Sionix night vision kit so I could look at the stars here in Vermont and kind of see so many more. Um, or I would go with a kind of Sky 360 camera that I could put on my roof and help uh, citizen science the UFO problem. You know, I tried to get Psyonix several times to sponsor the podcast. Yeah, they, they, it was a hard one. And do you know what? Yeah. I think I think listeners would be all up for that. So do you know what? If you want Psyonix to sponsor the podcast and send yeah. me a couple of free ones and I might give one to Dan. Um, we then can play. <laughs> email, email Psyonics and ask them to sponsor that UFO podcast with a discount code and we can arrange that folks because I think that would be a good match um, be and, and Starbucks uh, <laughs> <laughs> Graham what about you um, notepad and pen 
No, I'd just be happy with a telescope, like an ordinary like optical telescope. Uh, I've never had one. I've always thought about buying one, and I've never been in a position to get one. And I think next year or two, I'll just get myself one. Um, can, can I give you some advice, I've got, Graham? Because I've got really good dark skies here. So, hmm. I, I was told by someone when I was in a position a number of years ago to buy a telescope, to not buy a telescope, but to buy really good binoculars instead. Because yeah. they're more portable, you can keep them near you, and... You know the the guy that recommended it to me, uh, was was Sean Cahill, and he mm. was like, "I used to use these on the ship, you know, the Princeton when it was out where the Tic Tac was seen. I would look at the sky with these, and it was beautiful. So mm. yeah, and I think they were like eighty eighty bucks, so mm. really cheap and really good way to start. Okay, buy five pairs of binoculars, tape them end to end, and have a really <laughs> cool big telescope. <laughs> <laughs> or buy two binoculars and buy buy two telescopes and make binoculars out of them. <laughs> Any of those work. Um, Please take a photo of this. Nathan, what about you? Uh, uh, any, any I would probably fund Graham's purchase of these materials so that he could construct this device. Uh, <laughs> so if he's interested in doing it, I would love to talk to him about it. I've got a telescope he could have down here under my thing. Uh, I, I've never used it for years. My wife bought it for my birthday like years ago. But um, I set it up and all I ever done was buy the time I fannied on and set it up in the front garden. And I don't have a big house and it's a bit awkward to set it up outside without someone trying to beat me up or steal it. Um, I looked at the moon. It was pretty cool. But once I eventually managed to fanny on with the settings, it was one of those. If someone that knew what they were doing just spent 10 minutes showing me, I could have worked it better. But it has sat now on the floor for years, probably being pissed on by rats and everything. So who knows? Um, but Nathan, on that, being pissed on by rats. Um, any any bibs on the band name? Just for you. Oh my gosh! Uh, well, Graham's book I plan to purchase this year. Oh, That'll be uh, on the top we'll of the list of things to buy. Disgusting. Uh, I of course will pay for a viewing of uh, James Fox's documentary when that hits the hits the airwaves or whatever. So, but you know, I don't have any other uh, big purchases lined up. I, uh, there may be some. Uh, retreats I might try to do this year uh, with Darren. He's trying to get some of that going. And of course, I would love to go back to New York and uh, participate in one of those conferences. But um, otherwise, just continuing to honestly, the things I sp- pay, spend money on are things for podcasting, which I'm sure you can relate to. You just kind of add this piece of kit or whatever to your repertoire. Um, yeah. With. With the retreats, Nathan, I know what you're referring to, and I won't say it here, but I'll just say when you're at that retreat, bring up the VR headsets and ask if they're going to adapt their product for the headsets. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I will. I'll edit this out, but is this the Bob Lazar brothel with the new VR headsets? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get the full experience. Yeah, Graham is mortified. Um, and I'll, I'll just add, it's actually something kind of Nathan said, but my, my wife had gave me permission several times to go to one of these conferences or events, and particularly I'd like to go to one of the quite anomalous ones in New York, because New York is my favourite place. Yeah, um, and she gave me permission to go to the one before Christmas, and I say permission not flippantly, but we've got three young children, and Christmas is expensive and life's expensive so um i'd like to get to one of those this year if they're on and get out and even three days is going to cost like a grand and a half to do it cheap between flights accommodation and food so um yeah that that might work out well hey if, if my visa comes through there might be a scope for you to have free accommodation when you're here so thank you where would you stay uh don't know yet but you know we're, we're looking into rv purchases so i like i yeah. like the room i like the leg room so yeah. <laughs> uh, listen gents let's wrap up there i just want to finish with a very quick what are you all working on because uh, you've been very gracious and i'd like people to go and support kind of what you're doing and stuff as well so uh graham what are you working on at the moment mate how can uh, people find your work yeah okay so twitter border 750 um i have just finished a book about the 1955 to 1956 pilot and aircrew sightings i am also working on a follow-up to the foo fighters book and something else which i'm not going to talk about yet all right one of those yeah coming yeah. soon we get it yeah yeah um, yeah Uh, yeah so uh continue to do work with uh my buddies at calling all beings uh in the show that we do there so pumping out content and round tables and all that kind of fun stuff hello to dj yep absolutely uh i also continue to put out uh, work with darren on liminal frames so we continue to enjoy doing that and it's a totally different perspective but um you know i think a rewarding one for the for the community and 
And also, I'm going to put this out there, so maybe I can hold myself too, but I really do need to get back to uh, putting out some of my own content on my Perturbations channel. So hoping to put something together, which would be kind of spoken, not spoken word, but spoken written material that I have done. Um, probably an interview as well here and there, but um, I wouldn't expect that to be very often. So whenever I have the free time to put it together and put it out, that's when it'll happen. But uh, those are the projects on my list. Awesome. And finally, Dan? So my work uh, outside of, you know, breakdowns with yourself um, is mostly around uh, doing art. Graham's book is going to be the the most immediate kind of project that I'm working on. You'll see that soon. Um, but as well as that, also working with a bunch of real cool people on something called uh, Nano, which you should see during 2024. It is an app that's created kind of by the community for the community, the idea is that everyone can put like their sightings and data into it. There can be discussion. The data put into it will be scientifically usable. Um, and as well as that, it will have kind of AI parts of it so that you can talk to AI about the cases and kind of apply different theories to it and, and drag through all these different case files and things like that. Hopefully, the idea is that it'll kind of be a one-stop shop if you want to look into this stuff. Um, and it'll be totally free and will respect your privacy. So, you know, that's a big importance for us. So fingers crossed that uh, gets rolling this year. And remind folks the name of yours and Olaf's uh, creative outlet. Uh, 33OZ Creative. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Again, hope you've enjoyed this, listening to it. Lots of great feedback on the last one. I wouldn't leave it so long to do these again. I used to do roundtables very often, Daniel, remember? Um, yeah, there's a lost and... episode of movie discussions and stuff. We should oh, do shit. something like that. There is, yeah. Um, I, could I even still dig that out? Have you even got that still? Of Probably. What we did record? Um, it was just one guest stuff didn't record. The other three were fine. So Yeah. Through yeah, no fault good. of their own, they, they came on late and it knacked the full recording. So when we recorded it, their stuff wasn't on there. Might but be there's something. I might even just stick it out on the, the, the paid feeds for people as a you know bonus thing. As a, There you go, listen to it, but it's not perfect. Yeah. Um, but none of this ever is. So thank you very much, folks, for listening. Uh, lots to come in February. I've got a few guests almost nailed down now. Not physically, that would be horrific. Um, <laughs> but look forward to speaking to you all very, very soon. Thanks very much. That is all for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm. If you're checking the show out on YouTube, please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well. Any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform. And finally, you can listen to shows ad-free and sponsor-free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple, Spotify, just search That UFO Podcast Premium. YouTube, you can sign up and be a member, or you can do that through patreon.com. Thank you very much for listening, folks. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right inside of my